back to the coven. I'm your host, Shweta Sundarajan, and I am the legendary Wicked Witch of the Sound Waves. Joining me today is... Tiara Harris. I am the president of NABJ and a junior journalism major here at Ball State University, minoring in African-American studies, screenwriting, and creative writing. Wow. Three <laughs> minors. Oh, my God. It's a lot, but it's fun. That's all that matters. I mean, as long as you're having fun, mm-hmm. does the stress really count? It doesn't. It doesn't. That's what I'm saying, <laughs> it doesn't. right? In the long run, it doesn't, at least. Welcome to the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is your first time on The Coven. How do you feel? I'm excited. I like you. You're cool. Aww. So, like, I'm excited for this conversation. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of conversation, mm-hmm. that's what's bubbling in the cauldron, which is <laughs> um, Black History Month. So, we are going to talk about um, portrayals of black women in the media because we know that there's not enough representation. And the representation that black women do get is not that good. So let's hop right into it. So it's widely known that black women are subjected to more hypersexualization and criticism in the media. Like, for example, Leslie Jones. Um, she is a comedian, a fantastic comedian. She is part of the SNL team. Uh, she does fantastic work. I love her so much. But she was subjected to harassment for the Ghostbusters movie in 2016. Um, and it was really weird because she was the only one that got harassment. None of her uh, white castmates got harassment. And, like, hackers apparently infiltrated her site with what appeared to be naked photos of her, as well as images of her passport driver's license, private photos with her and various celebrities, and a photo of Harambe. Yeah. Wow. Yup, yup, yup. So, I mean, like... She got a bunch of hate on Twitter. Uh, It was honestly really sad. And I do believe she had to um, go, like, take a break from Twitter because the harassment was just that bad. Um, And I mean, like... Uh, Milo Yiannopoulos, I don't know how to say his name. Uh, he's like the alt-right commenter, and he's a professional troll, which I didn't know was a thing that you could have. <laughs> Hi, I'm a professional no, troll. Seriously. God, what is this? So um, he posted a negative review of Ghostbusters on Breitbart, which, yay, love that site. Um, alt- that's sarcasm, by the way. Uh, just, I want to put that out there. Um, so he basically dissed Jones as, quote, a flat-as-a-pancake black style. Wait, say that one more time. (laughs) I and I quote, flat as a pancake black stylings. I don't know. I don't know what this means. I don't know what it means either, but it sounds very rude. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out. Is he saying like the way that she was portrayed was very flat and like not really attractive? Like he was expecting more from her character? Yeah. And I'm like, pancakes are delicious, but don't don't call me a pancake, man. Yeah. It's like you want to eat them, but you don't want to be called a pancake. Yeah. Like, no. Um, I mean, like this kind of followed with a bunch of uh, trolls and they basically trolled her with like sexist and racist comments and hateful memes. Like, how do you how do you feel about this, Tierra? It's really, really, really tiring because when I see black women, like especially like Leslie Jones, who's a hilarious woman, who I've watched since I can't even remember when. I love SNL, you know, and she her skits are always hilarious. And just to see that like people will go out of their way to be evil to someone who's doing absolutely nothing to them is just so pathetic. And 
even recently, this doesn't have much to do with anything, but um, my friends and I were on Omegle. And we were just, you know, Omegle's fun. You just meet random people. And this, like, white guy got on there and was saying all types of slurs to us. We're like, why? So, like, I was just thinking, like, over the past few days, like, what is it that makes people feel good about themselves by putting black women down, you know? And I just can't figure it out, <laughs> truly. It, it stuns me because, yeah. like, people, like, it, it, there's a lot of stereotypes of um, people comparing black women to gorillas. Yeah. And... I, I don't understand it. Like Michelle Obama, mm-hmm. people like called her a uh, gorilla and a bunch of other names. And frankly, I don't understand this because black women are beautiful. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. Like I don't want to sound offensive, but like you guys are beautiful. Like everything. <laughs> I don't. And it's just. I think people aren't used to like the Afrocentric mm-hmm. beauties. Like, yeah. like the entire society is so focused on Eurocentric mm-hmm. beauty, like the slim body, mm-hmm. the like slim nose, like the yeah. thin eyebrows. But even then, sorry to cut you off. Yeah, there's so many women like Kylie Jenner, like Kim, who are taking these black women features and claiming them ambiguous. Yup, that's but what it, I wanted to get to. Yeah. That's called cultural appropriation, Literally. and it's yep. so tiring when there's not all black men, but a lot of black men will adamantly go after a Kylie Jenner and it's like what is it that like this woman is literally fake like it's terrifyingly fake and other women too because I've been seeing a lot of um, white women looking ambiguous lately you know what I mean right racially and I mean like on social media you see influencers that um, literally darken their skin blackface literally and like for example Ariana Grande yeah okay Earlier photos of Ariana Grande, she was white. Yes, she like, was white as a latte. <laughs> Literally, she went from latte to like mocha yeah. espresso kind of skin tone. It's really weird. What is that? And like I and I see like black women get shamed for having big lips and get shamed for having big behinds, yeah. big, big booties. <laughs> yeah, um, it's weird. But when white women do it, they're like, "Ooh, she thick." Yeah. Like, "Ooh, she got some thick lips." Well. Where did you think you got that from? Literally. And like I've seen, I've seen women, uh, white women have, um, or just even non-black people have dreadlocks mm-hmm. and wear locks <sighs> and oh my gosh. cornrows <laughs> and all of these hairstyles that are specifically meant for black hair. Yeah. What do you feel about that? That's so weird that you said that because within the last week I've seen four white people with locks and it's so weird because when I see it. First off, I mean, to each their own, you know, beauty is subjective, but it looks terrible in my opinion. Like, it looks weird, you know, because, like, the hair isn't meant to be locked up like that. Exactly. You know, it takes a lot. And so I don't know because for someone to do that and then still have the audacity to have hate towards the black people is ridiculous. Like, you don't understand we're literally, besides American culture being derived from black people, just like the small things, like the lips, like the butts, like the hair, like what's going on, you know? Right. And I mean, like... I, I've seen multiple news stories yeah. of black women getting fired from their jobs yes. for having locks or um, any other like protective type of hairstyle, yeah. braids, uh, whatever, mm-hmm. getting fired for that. And I'm like, isn't that isn't that protective? It's specifically Literally. for uh, black hair yeah. because it, black hair has different texture than any other type of hair. Mm-hmm. Am I? Am I oh, correct? for sure, yeah. for sure. And it's crazy too because when you look back and like you know, just like how black women's hair is portrayed, it's like always like you said unprofessional, right? And it's ridiculous because I remember um, seeing I forgot the woman's name, but she was wearing braids in like a movie. They were called like the bow braids or something. Mm-hmm. 
But the same thing happened with a black woman and she was fired from her job. And it's like, you know, California made that uh, law. I think it was last year. I forgot. It was like the Crown Act. Did you hear about that? Uh, I did not. Mm-hmm. Well, basically, it... Uh, had tried to get rid of discrimination against black women because of their hair, protective styles, and whatever they want to do with their hair. And it's sad because it's like you have to put that in place when there are black girls in New York getting kicked out of school or they're getting suspended or they can't do this or they looked at like this, they can't get a job. How because can I, you it's know? quote unquote distracting. How yeah. is that distracting? How is it distracting to who? Yeah. It's like the shoulders in school. Exactly. Like, who am I bothering? Exactly. And like I literally see um, like girls, uh, white girls and just non-black girls have like bright red hair, yeah. bright green oh my hair. God, I'm so glad so how how, how is her looking like a freaking stoplight? Yes. Not distracting to me, but the girl who has a beautiful afro or has beautiful locks is distracting. Literally. Everything's embedded in, like, basically that white culture is, like, dominant. And it's so sad because exactly. it's like, why stop someone from being creative? It's, like, all, like, a, a plot to stop black people from being creative, in my opinion, you know? It's just, racism is just embedded in Literally. America. And it's quite apparent in media. I mean, no matter how hard we tried to be mm-hmm. accepting and we tried to have representation in the media, it's still showing up in the way we report. Mm-hmm in the way we see movies and TV. Like, for example, um, Meghan Markle and how the media covered her uh, compared to Kate Middleton. I mean, like, literally, there are articles that compare uh, the two headlines from Meghan Markle's pregnancy to Kate Middleton's Mm. pregnancy. Like, an example. So, one about Kate Middleton when... um, She's pregnant. So the quote is, not long to go. Pregnant Kate tenderly cradles her baby bump while wrapping up her royal duties ahead of maternity leave. And William confirms that she's due, quote, any minute now. Now, all sounds all fine and dandy when we go to the same exact type of article that covers Meghan Markle. So... It says, quote, why can't Meghan Markle keep her hands off her bump? Experts tackle the question that has got the nation talking. Is it pride, vanity, acting, or a new age bonding technique? Same story, such different headlines. Oh my gosh. Hearing that is so sad because it seems like that kind of goes back to how black women are treated in the medical field. Because not just with like nurses and whatnot, but actual like pregnant women having babies. It's like this idea that we can't feel pain or that we're faking. My mom told me back when I was a baby that she got hit by like a car like not like soup I hate to say it like that like that but like she got like very like tapped by like a car you know just very simple but it hurt her back Mm -hmm. and she like you know fell out went to the hospital they told her that there was nothing wrong with her and that she was lying that she got hit by a car and she's like what and they're you know fast forward 20 years later she's feeling back pains in that exact same spot and it's just like ridiculous to me because when black women say they have that goes back to slavery you know right like you know black women or black men in general have pain it's as if we we can tolerate more of it. You know what I mean? As if we're fine. And with Megan and like the pregnancy, why does it have to be like that? Why can't we tenderly caress our bump? You know what I mean? Yeah. Why can't we be feminine? I think that has a lot to do with that too, because you know, black women and that says a lot coming from Megan Marker being a mixed woman too. Exactly. Is that she can't even marry to a white man, that she can't even have that that privilege of being feminine. Right. So I think it I think it comes from femininity, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I've seen that like there is no middle ground mm-hmm. for black women black women being able to express themselves because yeah. it's either um hi- get hypersexualized yeah. or just 
Yeah. Not like how how do you feel about that? Like how do you express your femininity? Oh man, that's a really good question. Just because I've recently decided to change my style mm-hmm. and being more feminine because I always felt like I couldn't be, which is so interesting that we're having that conversation. But when I was younger, I would feel, you know, weird in skirts or like, you know, like kind of like showing like not necessarily showing cleavage, but just a little bit, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or just like showing my legs or like wearing like open toed shoes just because I didn't feel like I could do that. I never felt like I had the space to be like that. And I remember envying, you know, white women or like mixed women because I felt like they had that femininity. They were adored by men, you know? And so getting older, being in college now, now that I'm able to break that down and understand, it feels interesting because femininity especially with Rihanna launching Fenty, I feel like that really kind of helped me come into my femininity because I see that it's not one thing, you know? It's not just a box. It's, you can dress like a hobo, you know, one day and then be in a dress the next day and you're feminine because you want to be. You have to claim it for yourself. So when you tell people, it's kind of like when you when you meet someone, you tell them who you are. You don't let them tell, who, tell you who you are. You know what I mean? So that's what I've learned about femininity is that you have to give yourself permission, if that makes sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. I totally understand that. And obviously I'm not a black woman. Um, I am Indian. I am South, of South Asian descent. <laughs> if those who are listening did not know. Um, I wholeheartedly agree with that because it's like, as a minority, like there are certain stereotypes put onto each one of us. Like, um, I mean, obviously like being Indian, it's like the stereotype of like, oh, you're a nerd. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you're good in like math and science. And like, I totally understand. Like I never felt comfortable wearing revealing clothes. Mm -hmm. Like when I would go shopping with my mom, like I really like wouldn't, my mom wouldn't really like if I picked out uh, a shirt that had like slightly of a low cut, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's not like I wear like clothes that are like just absolutely revealing. It's like, I don't know, like as I've become a woman, it's kind of nice to like sometimes just wear a little bit, you know, like just a little bit of a V-neck and show Mm -hmm. off just that little bit, you know? And I feel like that's just really hard because Mm -hmm. if I do that and like if I show off a little bit of cleavage, um, people will look at me weirdly. Mm -hmm. Like, and... In, in like in Indian clothing, we have something called like a churidad or called a salwar. And so typically um, something that goes with that is called a dupatta, which is a scarf that literally goes across your shoulders. And the purpose of that is to cover your chest. Wow. Yeah. And so if I don't wear, and it's very annoying because it like keeps slipping off. And like when you're walking around, it keeps falling off and you have to keep like flipping it over your shoulder. Mm-hmm. And I always hated wearing that. And whenever I would take it off and I would like just tie it around my waist, my mom would be like, put your dupata back on. Like, yeah. people are going to stare at your chest. And I'm like, so what? Like, I have a chest. It's like, my eyes are up here, not right. down here. Mm-hmm. Like, look at look at me. And it's there's there's this whole thing in India and in Indian culture and just Asian culture in general about, like, women being subservient and mm-hmm. being innocent and being, like, not, not sexualized, right. you know? Because the moment you start showing your sexuality, it's like... Oh my God! No, seriously. She's 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 a she's a bunch of explicative yeah. words that I can't say on this podcast. Um, so I I get it, mm-hmm. but um, I don't know. It's just expressing femininity. It's like either you get hypersexualized or you are just you get called those yeah. racist names. Right. And now that you said that, made me think back to. I remember like some time ago, I was like coming off the train in Indianapolis. My mom was picking me up, and I had on these shorts. And she's just like, why are your shorts so short? 
like somebody's gonna come on to you somebody's gonna try to you know you don't know what's gonna happen and in my head I'm thinking why is it my fault if I get assaulted whistled at like someone tries to do anything to me why is it my fault and I feel like after you said that about an Indian culture, why is it our fault? You know what I mean? Exactly. If you don't have your, I can't pronounce it, but like your yeah, scarf yeah, yeah, on. Yeah, it's just a scarf. Yep. It's put that back on because someone's going to stare at your chest. Like, why is it my fault? Because right. they can't contain themselves. They you know? can't. I mean, as Jesus said, if they look at you, homie, you got to pluck your own eyes oh out. Oh my right? gosh. That religion, that's a whole other day. You know what that's I mean? That's a whole other <laughs> day. conversation. Let's just, not even get into that. Man. Um... I know it's just mm-hmm. it's it's horrible as yeah. I mean I this is not just a racial issue. Mm-hmm. I think this is generally like a whole woman's issue. Yeah, it is. Um and I think it's just it's sad because I mean going back to specifically how black women are targeted in the media mm-hmm. um it, there's there's a stereotype of the angry black woman. Oh, man. Right? Yeah. And a prominent example that just comes to mind, because we did cover this on a previous Coven episode, uh, of Serena Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, for those of you who don't know, um, in the 2018 uh, Tennis Open, I do believe... Um, yes, 2018. Mm-hmm. So basically, uh, Serena Williams got um, uh, carded. Uh, she oh, got... I, I don't know, like the referee, umpire, whatever, however, <laughs> umpire in tennis, Somebody. I don't know, whoever. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yes, it's actually an umpire. And so basically he um, kind of penalized her for getting coached and uh, for something else. And so she got angry. So she was like, like she was like, umpire, you, you need to give me like an apology. And she right. kind of just blew up. And she, I think she threw her racket down okay. and broke in like just a kind of fit of anger. Yeah. Right. And I mean, she got so much flack for it. And I mean, there was, there was racist caricatures mm-hmm. drawn of Serena Williams. And people were like, why is she getting so much flack for this? Literally. Because in with other athletes, like with other male white athletes, they do the exact same thing, oh, yeah. if not more. And mm-hmm. they, they're just like, oh, um, so-and-so is just a f- uh, expressing their frustration yeah, like with hockey? the game. Oh, God. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. No, but I'm saying like even in tennis. Yeah, yeah. Even in tennis, there mm-hmm. are instances where... Um, I'm not a tennis fan, but like <laughs> any like the doll or Federer, like those are the two big ones that I know. But mm-hmm. um, there have been instances where famous like white male tennis players and even I think like white female tennis players have like expressed their anger in like losing a game point or uh, getting penalized. Mm-hmm. And they like they kind of like throw their racket down or like right. they show their anger. But why is Serena Williams getting so much hate? What like how does that portray the angry black woman stereotype it's so weird just because i feel like black women especially in the workplace and you know we at least what i've been taught is that we keep quiet you know what i mean we don't feed into that just because and what's crazy is that the moment that you do no matter how long it's been since it's happened it's immediately angry black woman as if this is like and i just i don't get it you know i'm just trying to figure out where like it originates from like is it in slavery? You know, like where where is it? Where can we find it? Like I I don't get it. And I feel like because people assume that black women have so much rage because we're always mad about something. You know, it's like what are, what? We have every right to be upset. There's a poem that if you'd like to listen to it, um, one of my favorite poets, it's called Angry Black Woman. And she 
she goes off. And then she's like, but, oh, I'm sorry? Um, we can put it in a recording. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I, I can send it to you. But she, she starts off the poem sweet and innocent, and then she goes off. And then she goes back in, and she's just like, but I have no right to be mad. And then that's the end of the poem. And it shows yeah. that, like, people have downplayed our feelings for so long. And even growing up, it took me a while to feel validated in my emotions. I'm just now understanding I've had trauma with that, you know? Just because I've never been able to express them in a way that's been um, productive because I'm afraid to be the angry black woman, because my family, especially women, have been like, it's fine. You know, it's fine. It's fine. Because even in the house with black men, you don't want to feel like the angry black woman. You know, it's just like in the back, kind of like that stereotype just sits in the back of your head. And you just, it's just so sad because you don't want to feed into it. But then you also want to validate yourself. It's, man, it comes with the intersectionality, I guess. <laughs> Actually, take a listen to the poem right here. Oh, yeah. Let me just say that I am a very beautiful person. I'm sweet and intelligent and funny and awkward. And I just had to say that only because I'm a little tired of this stereotype about the angry black woman, whoop-dee-doo, right? Because as you can see, I am black and a woman and I'm not angry at all. I'm pissed the off. I'm mad as hell. I'm so mad. I'm getting ready to break my foot off in everybody's ass. But pretend this is class so I can tell you why I'm mad at the education system. Mad because education is the key, yet they keep the poor locked out. They get hand-me-down books and hand-me-down chairs. Hand-me-down teachers who give them hand-me-down stairs. I'm pissed off at gentrification. Pissed that the rich be Robin Wood Hoods and mad that Robin Hood was just... Myth. I'm mad because Barbie is a standard of beauty. I hate that fruits and vegetables are so damn expensive. So how the poor gonna eat healthy off some damn tater chips? I'm mad that the government and media are controlled by the same people. And those same people are the same people who control everything. I'm mad women get raped. I hate that I only got three minutes to say this poem and I got about ten minutes worth of angry. I'm mad that I can't say that I am a socialist out loud mad that the gay and lesbian can't be out loud and proud in the military and pissed off because only 28 states allow everyone to unite in holy matrimony and while I appreciate civil unions civil unions if I move if I move to another state then the state of my civil union is at stake so what good is that gonna do for me in the state of Wyoming and believe it or not I'm still pissed off off about slavery. That's right, I'm still mad because I still pick cotton off clothes racks and never racked up reparations. Mad because they call each other niggas and sick because any minute sister girl's gonna turn around and call me a bitch. I'm mad at black men for reasons I don't have time to list. I'm pissed off at hip hop. I'm pissed off at black on black crime. I'm pissed off that Ricky Rose got all the crack and we can't turn that shit back. I'm pissed the f off. I'm mad because above everything, at any given time and in any given space, I, as a black woman, can suffer from racism, sexism, homophobia, classism. I can be raped, beat, be burned alive, and no one, not a single soul, will look up to acknowledge my absence from this universe because I am insignificant, because I am a black woman. And finally, you see, I have every right to be pissed the f off. But most of the times, Despite what you believe, I'm really, really sweet.
Okay. That was a great poem. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, you're completely valid. I mean, how do you how do you avoid falling mm. into that angry black woman stereotype? The main thing that I did, especially when I came to college, is I stopped hanging around white people. Mm. I literally go out of my way to be around black women mm. because I realize that's where I feel safe. And black men too, but mostly black women. And it took a lot for me to come kind of out of that <laughs> that hibernation, just because even with um, you know non-white POC, that you still get that same you know feeling. Like even recently, I, I was on TikTok and there was this woman who basically was with her um, her girlfriend's family, and there were some Hispanic people sitting next to them. And in Spanish, they were saying these people are rowdy. They're doing this, like just being very disrespectful, saying all these types of slurs and stuff. And she can speak Spanish, so she goes off on them. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, why is it that black people are I hate to say it, the most disrespected people in the world, you know, from everybody. It's like everyone hopped on this big train of I hate black people. So it's like you can't be yourself. So that's why, you know, I just try to distance myself from non-black people because that's where I feel safe. So that's how I avoid that. And when I am in those spaces, when I have to be because I can't avoid them fully, there's class, there's work. I just I honestly just stay to myself. <laughs> you know, I never and what's sad is that you have to code switch. You have to be another person because you don't wanna you can't reveal yourself to people. You know, you never know what they're gonna how they're gonna feel, how they're gonna treat you just because. So code switching is my best friend, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, and just and just not really being fully myself, as sad as that sounds. Just because I don't wanna have to worry about feeling as if I'm the angry black woman. Because like right now, I feel so comfortable with you saying these things because I don't think I've ever talked to another minority who's a non-black person about those things. So I appreciate this space. I really do. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I aim to do. Because, I mean, amplifying voices is something that the coven is about. And I feel like people need to know Mm -hmm. how these stereotypes affect people. Yeah. Right? Because it's very easy to just believe in a stereotype and just go about your life just living and believing in that way and I mean personally as someone who I I didn't really have a lot of black friends Mm -hmm. growing up and I just I mean I kind of regret it now because I've come I've come to college and I've met you and I've met like other uh black people and like I've had so many great enriching conversations and Mm -hmm. I'm learning so much from you and it's just you know, you know, it's interesting because it brings up a story. Um, so I had a family member who um, they had just come from India, moved to the United States. Mm-hmm. And my family and I, we had gone to visit them and they were living in an apartment. Mm-hmm. And um, we were just walking around. And suddenly she's like, like, don't go. Don't go over there. Like black people live there. Wow. And I mm-hmm. was I just I just stopped. And I was like, like internally, I was like. Dang. Yeah. Did she just really say that? And mm-hmm. like, mind you, this is uh, this is a woman who had just come to America. Mm-hmm. She had been living in India her whole life where there are not many black people, mm-hmm. if not any black people that live in India. I am sorry if you're black and if you live in <laughs> India and if you're listening to this. I don't know. I haven't seen any black people in India. I've seen very dark skinned Indian mm-hmm. people, but I don't think they're black. Um, <laughs> but anyways, but it's interesting as to see how that stereotype of black people being violent, mm-hmm. of black people committing crimes, which is mm-hmm. completely not true mm-hmm. at all, um, has gone past American borders mm-hmm. and internationally. And I feel like 
something that plays in part with that is movies. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Media has such a strong impact. Exactly. Man. So I want to ask you this. Um, are you satisfied with the representation that black women specifically have on film? And like connecting that back to like the angry black woman stereotype, because I know a lot of TV shows, mm-hmm. um, it, black black people are always like the side character. Yeah. They're never the main focus. And always like that side character, especially black women, you always get that like angry black woman who's like, where have you been? Yada, yada, yeah. Like, rah. Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you feel about that? Like, are you satisfied with the representation that we have mm-hmm. now? Or mm-hmm. what can change? I'm very unsatisfied with it. And that's what made me pick up a screenwriting minor because I want to... Not necessarily, I cannot talk. Not necessarily take control of that, but put my own spin on black women in the media. But um, no, I'm not. And speaking of that too, I I made a promise to myself not to watch any more slave interpretation movies. I I can't because when I go to theaters, they're filled with old white people, which is already a weird sign for me. I went to go see Harriet. Oh. And nothing but old white people. And it's like, okay, this is kind of weird. And there's It kind of feels like Get Out. It does. Speaking of Get Out, I love Jordan Peele and his movies. It's great. Man. I just wrote an essay for yeah. my film genres class mm-hmm. about that. Fantastic film. I didn't watch yeah. it before then, but oh, man. fantastic. The, mm-hmm. Oh, my God, the analysis and the little bits that Perfect. he puts in there. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. But, yes, talk about oh, talk yeah. about Harriet. Yeah. Oh, man. But um, Harriet specifically, I remember seeing it and you know, feeling that ancestral trauma in my body. Because I feel like what people don't realize is that we carry the, the burdens of our ancestors, our grandparents, our parents, you know what I mean? And we carry that in our bodies because we're not able to heal from it. And so with Harriet specifically, I'm watching these women and men get whipped. I'm watching black people turn on other black people, exposing them, beating them. Janelle Monae, there was a scene, um, Janelle Monae's character was beat by uh, someone who had, I guess, worked with the, the white people. And it was so brutal and violent that I felt like it was me getting, you know what I mean? I felt like it was me getting hit and stomped on and killed. And it's just like, for one, I feel like the way we interpret, like, it's okay to tell these stories because they're supposed to be heard. We need people to see them and understand that those things really did happen. But we have to understand the strain that that has specifically on black people. Right. And I feel like a big thing, too, in media is that black people, screenwriters, producers, directors, anybody, they feel like when they have the space, because it's not often that we get that space, that we have to tell these stories that are going to impact and make a big change in the black community. We have to understand that we can't bear that weight all the time. You know, we need the big mouths. We need uh, blackish. We need Issa Rae and her awkward black girl skits because it's like we need to see ourselves in more spaces than slavery and yeah, trauma. normalized. Yeah, literally. Because I've like I agree with you. Oh, um, yeah. When I watch like those slave movies, yeah. I think I watched like Twelve Years a Slave. Oh my god. And <laughs> I, like great book. Mm-hmm. I actually read the book. Yeah. Um, fantastic book. Opened my eyes on a lot of stuff with slavery and. Obviously, we all know that slavery is brutal. Right. But I don't think we understand how brutal mm-hmm. slavery was because, like, I, I mean, even as, like, a non-black person, mm-hmm. there's a scene in 12 Years a Slave where the main character gets, like, hung from a tree yeah. and whipped. Okay. Like, if that hurts me, I don't know, like how much it hurts you Mm -hmm. as a black person carrying that racial trauma, Mm -hmm. that ancestral trauma. And like, just riddle me this. Like when I was, when I was doing research on this Mm -hmm. podcast episode, um, 
I was trying to find good examples of uh, representation of black women and just black people mm-hmm. positively mm-hmm. in media. And I was only able to find like two films. Yes. I did just this morning and I was so disappointed because all I saw was Harriet. Uh, there was Selma. There was The Color Purple. Like all these sad movies. Fruitvale Station. Yeah, and it's like... Fantastic movie, but yeah, just you know, so traumatizing. Seriously, and I feel like these movies, because I don't want to you know, come at these directors like you're not doing a good job because they're creating content that's important. But I feel like when we create this content as black creators, we have to be adamant about non-black people seeing it especially you know what i mean like like harriet is important because like she did it she was pivotal you know in the freedom of black black women black people just in general you know but like this movie is not for me because i know that i can you know i know this i've learned about it i've seen it you know what i mean i've experienced experienced it it. literally because even this past summer you know just seeing that uh i think it was at iu someone almost got hung a black man uh, I did yeah. not hear about this. He almost got... I think that he was, like, camping in the woods, like, sometime, and, like, some white people were trying to lynch him. And I'm just like... Wait, in... Yeah. Like, Bloomington. 2020? 2020. Last year. I heard about no, it. No, no, no. Like, like the summer? The yes, summer? the summer. This, this past summer. This six past months ago. <laughs> yes. Okay. Seriously. Let's just... Hold on. Let's take a pause. Seriously. Uh, okay. I, <laughs> I'm kind of having, like, a slight... Like brain, like my brain's not working because lynching in 2020. Literally, it's I, like, come on. How is that? And like that brings up um, like a slightly less mm-hmm. um, case yeah. where um, Bubba Wallace, the Bubba. black yes. NASCAR driver, mm-hmm. he found a noose in his garage, yeah. and then when the investigation got concluded, they were like, it's not a hate crime. And I'm like. Are you kidding me? Are you freaking kidding me right now? It's it's literally a noose in the one black NASCAR driver's garage. How do you say that that's not a hate crime? Like, I think they said it was like a, just like a rope. Yeah. Like for pulling open the garage. Mm -hmm. But why is that a noose though? Exactly. Why can't it just be a normal rope? It's so frustrating because that goes back to black people being able to maintain this sense of I don't feel pain or nothing can bother me. And it's like, but if that were have been any other group, any other group, like even what happened with Nick Cannon over the summer, I'm not sure if you knew about that, but the whole thing with him saying uh, negative things about Jewish people, mm. it was, it went terribly. Like people were calling him types of names. So many people turned against him. And then he spoke his truth on like a Jewish platform and said that I'm also Jewish. And they were like, oh, you know, wait a second. And it's like, well, why is it that this immediately popped off, but then you have Breonna Taylor. Just that whole situation in general. You know, why is it that it takes so much for black people to get, to just get heard and it's already too late and it still doesn't happen, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's like you saying one negative thing about any other group is automatically, oh, you're going to jail, oh, you deserve yeah. this. And it's like, what? <laughs> like, And it's, it's sad too because it's been so normalized, especially with black people. I was talking to my dad about, um, the I think it was... I'm not sure what, what incident, which is sad because I can't recount because there's so many incidents, but I think it was Breonna Taylor. And we were talking about it. He's like, yeah, it's probably not going to you know, happen. And he's just so like nonchalant about it. I'm just like, what do you mean? Like, we She's need to, you know. in her bed. But at the end of the day, it's like, why put your energy into something when you know that the people in charge are never going to let it be a big deal like it actually is? You know what I mean? It's tiring. I, it's exhausting. It's yeah. extremely exhausting. And it's like... If it's exhausting for me as a mm-hmm. non-black person, 
I can't imagine just seeing that, like mm-hmm. seeing justice not delivered and served mm-hmm. over and over again. I mean, it's a little bit off topic, mm-hmm. but I heard that uh, Derek, I'm going to mess up his name, uh, Chauvin, the oh. police officer that kneeled on George Floyd's neck and killed oh, yeah. him. Mm-hmm. Um, so apparently uh, he's he's in prison, like waiting for mm-hmm. um, his trial. And apparently the um, two, like the two black guards are not allowed to guard him. Why is that? Because uh, just quote unquote like racial like wow yeah um, doesn't want to aggravate you know like him or something like that yeah. and it's like I was reading the story and mm-hmm. while I see the point of yeah. um, the s- supervising officer not letting black like the black officers um, or like the officers of color guard uh, Derek Chauvin I. Like, I can also see where the police officers are coming from because mm-hmm. they were saying that we were barred from being able to do our job, mm-hmm. right? I, I Like, I see both aspects. I understand you. But it, I see how, like, there are certain instances um, where... It, it, it like sounds like discrimination mm-hmm. but like I also see the other side and like I don't know like I don't know who to believe I don't know who to yeah. agree with and it's mm-hmm. just like help me understand like yeah. I, I I want to understand like how that works like how would you see that as that's I mean it's kind of weird because it's saying that these two men these two black men guards are incapable of holding back their emotions right you know and doing their job it's kind of saying that you're inferior in a sense because I, although I, I do understand because that, that had been me, you know, I would have tried to probably kill that man. You know what I mean? Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, I do, I do see both sides as to what you're saying, but at the same time, it's like, it shouldn't matter. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't want to talk about George Floyd. I just I don't. Yeah. I know. I mean, yeah, it's just a very sensitive a topic and I, I don't know. Um, well, let's go back to movies. Yeah, perfectly fine. Because that's a quite <laughs> more lighthearted topic. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, like, it's like, what, like, I mean, we've gone through the bad oh, yeah. representations uh-huh. uh, of movies just continuously mm-hmm. bringing up black trauma. Oh, yeah. Um, what did you find are good representations of black women mm. and just black men uh, in TV show and movies? I think a good thing to point out right now is that Tyler Perry is the opposite of good representation of black people in movies. How so? Because, okay, so <laughs> I, I can rant about this all day. Tyler Perry thrived off hurting and damaging women. If you go back to his plays, his earlier movies, his current films, every... Every woman in the film is not only disrespected, beat, you know, just assaulted, just, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I could talk about this all day, but just very deprived of good things. And I'm not sure if it's, you know, some type of like trauma that he has in his body about women or past experiences or what, but he's a terrible representation because not only are men also looked at negatively with dark-skinned men being most violent, light-skinned men being the savior, dark-skinned women being uh, just very hypersexualized and, yeah. and looked at as like sex objects but also light-skinned women looking at looked at as um as just like soft and innocent and light and the one that you should want to be with i can't even pinpoint an exact movie but um actually yes let's talk about acrimony <laughs> so acrimony taraji penson is the uh protagonist in this movie and not only is it 
terribly created. Like the script is terrible, production is terrible, but the plot is so terrible because, uh, you know, she is in college. She meets this guy. Um, the guy basically takes everything from her, strips her, like literally takes her money that her mother left her after she died. And Taraji is doing everything possible to keep this man going. She picks up two jobs so he can work on his invention. You know, he gets constantly declined, refuses to get a job, but she supports him. It gets to the point where she ends up selling her mother's house so that she can afford to help him with his invention. And so it gets to a point where she eventually leaves him. You know, her family convinces her. And then Finally. she... And then he hits big. He sells the invention, finds a wife, but it turns out to be the woman that he initially cheated on Taraji with, causing her to be infertile because of an accident. Gets back with that woman. And then Taraji is literally insane, becomes insane. Like, yes. <laughs> Tyler Perry movie? Yes. And if you can if you look at Tyler Perry movies in the beginning with, you know, the whole Medea thing and like just all of that is just very it creates these caricatures that are unrealistic, disgusting, and tiring. And now that he has his own studio, you think that he create better movies. Nope. But he doesn't. They're worse. <laughs> They're so much worse. But I just want to say that's a terrible reference to go to. Because I know a lot of white people enjoy Tyler Perry films. Right. Which makes me sad because it's not the, you know, not where it's at but some good ones that I that I found um Issa Rae is like pioneering that for me you know she's just so genuinely herself and open and just lovely and awkward and it just makes me feel like I see myself in her like there's Insecure you know which I think just got renewed for another season there's uh the photograph which is just so beautiful a fantastic film literally like just... finally we get two black leads that are mm -hmm. Normal, yeah, like normal. a normal depiction. There's no like racial trauma because I watched yeah. the trailer, I haven't watched the film quite oh, yeah. yet because mm -hmm. school is a thing. <laughs> but, um, I was surprised, I yeah. was like, this is a genuinely normal movie, mm -hmm. there's no like like black themes yeah. uh, like and what I mean by that is like there's no like violence yeah. and like police yeah. involvement because mm -hmm. for example like Queen and Slim oh gosh it was a good movie but <laughs> oh, um, man. there was it, there was that like uh, police yeah. uh, involvement whatever mm -hmm. um, and talk about that like did that oh, yeah. invoke some trauma like oh man I mean it was a good movie it was a beautifully created movie like the scenes the the angles the music like it was gorgeous and like the people were gorgeous like I love um Daniel Kaluuya I think that's his last name I love him so much he's like my favorite actor right now and then um Queen's character I don't know her real name but she's wonderful you know and so the movie itself uh it was oh, man <laughs> it was really really nice it was just extremely heavy because at the end of it I don't want to spoil it for you but you want them to win you know, we're like, yes, they're going to win. They've dodged all these things. They've come across all these bridges. They're going to get to it. And then someone sells them out. A black person sells them oh out. Oh, my God. And they're about to get on this plane to go to Cuba to be, you know, just, you know, hide from the U.S., I guess. And we just see it all crumble. Like, we just see this, these two people who have never, ever been together just just die in the most violent way possible. We see the gunshots going to their body. We see them die. We see them fall out. We see the blood. And then I, I just remember seeing, I was watching with my boyfriend. I'm in the theater and I just felt my body just, I was just crying. Like I was sobbing because I felt like I was, I was queen, you know? Yeah. I felt like I was her. And he's holding, oh my gosh, I'm gonna start crying again. But he's, Daniel Kaluuya is holding her 
and they walked towards the police officers. And it was so powerful. And I guess the director, um, I think it was Melina Matsukis and Lena Waithe who created it. They said that like it was like that was their wedding day. They're walking. He's holding her. I know. And they just they die. And it's like, oh god. It just it really made. That's what kind of inspired me to not watch any more traumatic movies because it's like black people, black stories get a happy ending. Literally for once. Literally, and that's why when I look at Issa Rae, I see I see that. And even have you watched season four of Big Mouth? Do you watch Big Mouth? I do not. But you should watch it. I should. I should. (laughs) And and. Season four, we have Missy, who um, you know, comes into her blackness, and we have Devon, who's a, a black character who helps her come into her blackness. We have Lena Waithe as an animated character. We have more black characters, and we kind of just talk about this dynamic, and just seeing her come into that makes me so happy because it's like it's it's positive. Like she gets like box braids, and she learns about her hair, and connects with like you know her cousins, and just kind of walks this like you know this new lifestyle, and just like having things like that, having shows like Blackish. You know, having those shows kind of give us like that hope. And it's just sad because we have to seek that because we can't find it in any other media, you know? Because you go on social media, you see you see George Floyd, you see Breonna Taylor, you see all these things. Like this summer was so heavy for black people because we didn't get a break. It was you know? just constant, like one after another. Literally. And I saw a lot of my black friends on mm-hmm. Twitter just being like, hey, stop posting videos yeah. of the like body cam footage yeah. of um George Floyd like Literally. stop that because and honestly like I will say like I didn't understand at first because mm-hmm. as a journalist I was like hey it's like super important yeah. to like put that out there and then I started reading mm-hmm. the stories and people being like hey it brings up trauma and yeah. like and then I watched the video mm-hmm. I, like it's, it's 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 disturbing like black or not mm-hmm. you have to acknowledge that like seeing someone die like no matter like no matter what race you are is hard it's hard because we're humans we have feelings right have sympathy and empathy you and know especially like with George Floyd and mm-hmm. like with countless other black people who have died and mm-hmm. on camera it's hard and like just to see someone die like that yeah. at, at the hands of someone else and then but I can I cannot imagine like feeling that pain if I was black and now if yeah. I was part of that community mm-hmm. because it happens so often and it's just, I mean, I don't know. Just, yeah. I, I like, I, I can't say anything about it because, yeah. I, like, I empathize, but I can't empathize fully. Mm-hmm. And I, I understand how painful that is. And it's sad that people just constantly, like, they ignore that and yeah. they try not to understand. They try, especially with professors. You know, I feel like even in a past class that I had last semester, um, it was for my African-American studies minor. It was black history or something like that. And so basically he showed us a video of, you know, people getting lynched. And so he gave us a trigger warning, which I appreciate. I had to skip past it. And then he gave us a chapter to read. And we're reading a chapter of this book called A Black Woman's History of the United States. And the first page, I could not even get through the chapter. It was talking about a woman, a trans woman at the time, and I believe like the 1800s, early 1900s, who had, you know, strived to be, you know, feminine and just, you know, her own sense of beautiful. And it's just like got really like she got assaulted and she constantly and it was so vivid I'm just like you want me to read this yeah when I've seen this and, and that's when I realized that African American studies this minor the entire school system is not meant for black people to succeed because we know these things you know and I and I was thinking like we need a black mobilization a healing course something that's going to help me get through this because I know my history I know it I've learned it my entire life I see it at home I see it on the tv screen I see it in movies and it's just like okay when can I 
heal from that? When can we start to actually do something productive instead of having conversations, having the talks? Mm-hmm. I'm sick of having talks. I'm so sick of having talks. Like, if people continue talking, like, <laughs> what else is going to happen? You know right. what I mean? And that kind of, you know, also, ah, that just led me into something. I can't think of it. I just lost my train of thought. But um, what was it? Oh, I just lost my train of thought. It happens <laughs> to the sucks. best of us. Man. Um, while you get your train of thought, yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned mm-hmm. um, a little bit before about mm-hmm. um, in film how there is um, there is like the lighter skinned oh, black yeah. people yeah. are seen as like the savior oh, and yeah. like we see a lot more lighter skinned actresses like Amanda Stenberg mm-hmm. and um, uh, Zendaya. Oh yeah, and and while they are beautiful and while they embrace their blackness, I feel like they're not enough darker skinned black people. Oh yeah, right. And that actually brought up uh, something that I saw on the internet a mm-hmm. long time ago. So I don't know if you remember this, but. Um, Something came out that was controversial. So uh, the movie Straight Outta Compton okay. had um, casting calls that <laughs> yes, I were. Know. Mm-hmm. Yep, you know what I'm talking about. Yep. But like, they were extremely colorist. Mm-hmm. Um, and let me, I'll just read out a couple of the casting calls for you guys. So basically, um, these are these are different categories for different types of girls to say, right? And so first, you've got the A girl. So these are quote. These are the hottest of the hottest. Models must have real hair, no extensions, very classy looking, great bodies. You can be black, white, Asian, Hispanic, Middle Eastern, or mixed race too. Age 18 to 30, please, uh, okay, email a current color, like all of that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you got the B girls. These are fine girls, long, natural hair, really nice bodies, small waist, nice hips. You should be light skinned. Mm-hmm. Beyonce is a prototype. Wow. For a B girl, it's Queen so... B is a B girl? <laughs> Yo, if, if Queen B, Beyonce is a B girl, who's the A girl? Literally. Who? Because she's a queen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what kind of what kind of expectations? And I mean, and then now you go, get down to the C girls. These are African American girls, medium to light skinned with a weave, uh, age eighteen to thirty. And then you've got D girls. These are African American girls, poor, not in good shape, medium to dark skin tone. It's ridiculous. How, how do you feel about this? Freshman like, year. Sorry to cut you off. No. But freshman year, I remember really wanting to create a documentary about colorism. I ended up doing one on mental health, but we can talk about that later. But um, because I saw that, that exact thing, and I'm just like, well, like what? You know what I mean? What, is, what does that mean? And so I just started looking in the media at how that ABCD girl is portrayed. And I see like, okay, in the show Martin, I'm not sure if you know Martin, but Gina his love interest is a light-skinned woman. And then he, her best friend Pam is a dark-skinned woman. He constantly argues with her, calls her names, they go back and forth, and she's considered rowdy and loud. Gina's soft and sweet. That was the first thing I had. And then I started looking more into like how we have a lot more mixed women playing black women. Like how you said Amanda Sternberg, in The Hate You Give, the protagonist is a dark-skinned girl, brown-skinned, exactly. dark-skinned girl. Why is she playing? Why yeah. is she playing that? You know what I mean? And a friend of mine had told me a while ago, he was just like, they can play us, but we can't play them. And I hate to create that divide between black people and mixed people because at the end of the day, we're all mixed with who knows what because of you know slavery and you know everything else going on. But there is a divide because society sees 
mixed woman as the exceptional black woman. If you have that bit of white in you, you're enough to be... One of us. Yeah, but in a sense, not. You're like the token black girl. It sounds like... I mean, in the case of Amanda uh, Stenberg mm-hmm. uh, getting cast to play the character, a star yeah. in The Hate You Give, mm-hmm. I kind of saw it as like them pandering mm-hmm. to the white audience because oh, yeah. I read the book, Hate You Give, fantastic Literally. book. Oh my God. Um, it taught me a lot about like the black experience and uh, black trauma and the mm-hmm. racial trauma. And... I think it's just like they're trying to pander to like the main like the mainstream audience, yeah. you know, because that book, it's it talks so much about mm-hmm. that racial trauma yeah. that black people have. And it's like I, I kind of I kind of felt that like when they were making that into a mainstream movie, they, they kind of were like, oh, well, how do we appeal this to white people? Yeah. You know, so you so you have that mixed race person, mm-hmm. you know, because like you said, um, it's like that token kind of black person yeah. like you're mm-hmm. almost one of us you're almost white so yeah you know it, you know it, it's it's interesting to see that because uh, of course when you go back to like the straight out of compton casting yeah. calls like c and d girls are that's the ones that say african-american girls yeah. i mean like a girls um are black white asian hispanic mid mid-eastern or mixed race too None of those are yeah. none of those are black. I mean, yes, there is black and um like mid mid eastern is not black. Yeah. Uh neither his is Hispanic. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I apologize if you're Hispanic and you identify like I know there are Afro oh, yeah. Latino yeah. uh peoples. I, I apologize. Um was not thinking that through. But <laughs> you know, like it's kinda sad that like A girls um, are all all of these and like C and D girls are the African American girls, especially for a movie like Straight Outta Compton, right? Which features black men who exactly. date black women. It doesn't make any sense at all. It's a black film about Literally. black music and one of the most notorious, best-selling black artists, black group of the time of all time yeah almost yeah why wouldn't you have and it, and it sounds it, it's again going back to the hypersexualization mm-hmm. of black women literally um cuz dark skinned black women are not found attractive which baffles my mind because they are <laughs> black is beautiful black don't crack <laughs> seriously black don't crack are you like michelle obama mm-hmm. is like in her 40s? I believe. I think she's later than that. I think she's like in her 50s. No. Almost, not mis- what? Know. We have the same birthday. Oh. Yes. Yeah, so I knew I was going to be share, successful. You sure? <laughs> the queen. Yes, I but do. But like Michelle Obama, like I, 50s That's perhaps? She looks like she's... 57. No. 57. Nuh-uh. 57. And she looks like she's... She's what, like 30? Yeah. 40s? She looks really good. Like 40s. Oh like my 30s, God. 40s. She has no... I mean mm. like... I'm not, I don't mean to bash like white woman or anyone <laughs> like that. But I mean, if you look at like older white actresses, like they are, that you can see like the age mm-hmm. more, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm looking at you, uh, Chris Card, Chris Jenner. Oh, gosh. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, yeah, you can get as many facelifts as you yeah. want, but, like, those wrinkles are still They're popping still through. But, like, you look at any other older black woman mm-hmm. actresses... I like look at their ages and they're like sixty, and I'm yeah. like, like, I'm like, how? excuse me. I thought you were thirty five. I was like, <laughs> yeah. what? Mm-hmm. Black don't crack, man. It's Same crazy. with Asian don't raisin. Like, oh, I, yeah, I saw that the other day. Right? Yes. Like, no, seriously. Sandra Oh Lee, she man. looks like 
she looks 30 40 seriously man um I don't know. It's mm-hmm. it's sad. It is sad. It's sad because like I forgot we were talking about. What were we just talking about? We're, <laughs> we I, got I on think, a tangent. I know. Just I mean, black don't crack. Black don't but crack. what was it's, before that? I think we were talking about like hi- hypersexualization. Yeah. Just it's black ridiculous. don't crack and hypersexualization. Oh, yeah, and ABC and D girls. That's what we were talking about yeah. too. It's just yeah, it's really weird too because you would think you know with that film you would want black women in that film. You know, there's their mothers. Right. You know, their their sisters. They're not. They're not going to be. You know, I don't. know. It's just ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. Ridiculous. It's tiring, <laughs> honestly. I know. I I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to say. And yeah. um, I feel like we can come to the general consensus that um, the media does not cover black women in a positive way. Mm-hmm. I mean, if anything, most of the coverage I've seen of black women is quite negative. Seriously. Another thing that I forgot about earlier to mention with Amanda Sternberg. Yeah. When Black Panther was being shot, they initially asked her to play the love interest that Lupita played. Really? In the movie that highlights dark-skinned people. And she she declined it, which I really do appreciate. Mm -hmm. But it shows how they wanted to create that dark-skinned man, light-skinned woman dynamic for a love interest. When everybody else in the movie is of brown or darker skin, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that just just shows, like you said, like pandering for white audiences. I forgot Mm -hmm. to mention that earlier. But But I am glad they they casted Lupita Nyong'o. Because, I mean, it's a pan uh, African film. Yeah. Like, you, you need to have cultures like mm-hmm. African different African cultures all represented Literally. and I'm so so glad that they casted all like darker skinned mm-hmm. African people you know and just don't don't pander yeah. to the white people and like black people deserve normal black movies yes more f- movies like the photograph literally they were both so successful too so it made everything look so I don't know it just felt so good to watch it you know right. it gave you motivation because you are what you consume in the media you know mm-hmm. like when you constantly watch like me growing up I was really big on like Full House and you know just these shows that showcase like families being successful in these really cool places and it's like you know you have the alternative which is like good times mm-hmm. which is still a good show but they're struggling you know they're struggling to make ends meet all the time you know and it shows that black people can create, you know, something out of nothing. But at the same time, it's like, can we have a, a good ending? Like with Queen and Slim, can we have a good ending? Because although reality is reality, let's make something good in the media that we produce, you know? Right. So that's that's my biggest... People always want to have a feel-good yeah. when they watch their movie, mm-hmm. right? Um, I, but it's, it's interesting as to why black people are denied that. Yeah. It's right? so weird because even black creators deny that of themselves. Exactly. Which is so, so weird to me. And I realized like in my screenwriting class, I took my first one spring semester of last year. And I remember like I had the choice to write about anything, but I chose to write about black trauma because I felt like that was the only thing I could write about. We put ourselves in boxes yeah. when we, we have so much space to create, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's interesting. Well, that's another episode of The Coven. You have listened to another episode of The Coven. Thank you so much, Tierra, for joining. Um, And um, happy Black History Month, everyone. (laughs) Do your research on uh, historical black figures. Mm -hmm. Appreciate uh, black artists, black music, black movies. just support the black community, y'all. Uh, that's my little plug. Do you have anything, last comments to say? Mm. It's a very important topic. Yeah, it really is. And more people should normalize having black history 
taught every month, you know? Especially if you talk to your siblings, your younger siblings, teach them about these things, because they're not teaching them in school. My little sister told me the other day, she had no idea what like Black History Month is. And she's, she's seven, just turned eight actually. And they're not teaching that, especially in virtual school, they're not teaching it. So make sure that you teach these to, like things to kids who are super, super young, who aren't being taught these in the school system because they're not doing a good job. But yeah. Yeah, well, that was another episode of The Coven. I'm Shweta Sundarajan, your host, and joining me today was... Tierra Harris. Thank you, everyone. I'll see you guys next week.